What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I think it was around December, winter break time. Had a conversation with the coaching staff, and uh, there was a couple injuries on the pitching staff. Um, so we just kind of had it, had it thrown an idea out to me to just focus on pitching and see where I can help the team and uh, kind of worked out that way. Welcome into another episode of Baseball Americas from Phenom to the Farm. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. On today's episode, I'm joined by Bryce Femmel, a national champion right-hander at Oregon State and former Giants farmhand. Bryce's four years at Oregon State were record-setting. He's a former All-American and third-winningest pitcher all-time for the Beavers. This is both awesome and improbable because he came to college as an infielder. He talks about making that switch and pitching in inter-squads against loaded Oregon State teams that feature Nick Madrigal, Stephen Kwan, and Adley Rutschman. He talks about the Beavers' 2017 and 2018 back-to-back runs to Omaha, the 2018 title team coming from the loser's bracket, and the final outing of his professional career, which is extremely unique for the show, something I, I've never heard the likes of it. Uh, very cool. Very much appreciated Bryce taking the time to do this show, especially because a little bit of behind the curtain here, he, he came on twice for me because a uh, little, little recording mishap on my, on, on, uh, on my part. Um, very much thankful that, that Bryce took the time and, and shared his time at Oregon State and really a, a story of doing anything you can to contribute and how that, that led Bryce from a career as you know potentially a backup infielder into one of the best Oregon State pitchers of all time. So really fun episode. Hope everyone enjoys. Episodes of Phenom of the Farm drop every other Tuesday. If you enjoy this one, subscribe wherever you get your podcast and go check out past interviews. And if you haven't yet, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Also, make sure to subscribe to BaseballAmerica.com and the BA podcast feed for all amateur baseball and prospect news. Organization Players of the Year being announced. It's going to be AFL season before you know it. It is always a good time to be subscribed to Baseball America. And with that, let's talk to Bryce Femmel. All right, joining in for today's episode from Feeding on the Farm, he's a 21st-round pick of the Giants in the 2019 draft out of Oregon State. College World Series champion right-hand pitcher Bryce Femmel. Bryce, thank you so much for joining from Feeding on the Farm. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Of course, yeah. Very excited to have you uh, after a little slip-up on my part yesterday. <laughs> we'll get a little bit behind the, uh, behind the curtain, but uh, glad to have you. Excited to talk this out. Um, want to go, you know, we'll obviously talk a lot of Oregon state baseball, you playing for a powerhouse, but I want to go back to before those days. And when did you realize you had a chance, you were going to have a chance to play at that next level of collegiate baseball? Yeah. I mean, growing up, I kind of played all the different sports just as, as most kids do. And then I'd say around middle school, I decided to stick with, uh, you know, just baseball. And then as I got into high school, I started playing some, some higher level travel ball, uh, with CBA. And uh, being a part of that team with some big names uh, who are currently in the big leagues and went on to play at the next level. So as soon as I kind of joined that team and saw that I can compete with them and uh, that level of play, it was it was always something I wanted to do and play at the next level and beyond. So I, um, you know, took a, took a deep dive on your Instagram, which is how we, we try to reflect ourselves in, in some form or fashion. And your pictures in high school all reflect you as an infielder. And while your your picture of signing with Oregon State was was as an infielder as we'll get into you spent 4 years pitching and not playing any infield so how as a high schooler did you think about yourself as a player and how did that reflect kind of your process in in choosing a college as far as what kind of opportunity you're looking for yeah definitely i think uh, being a being an infielder for all my life i think my freshman year i played third base uh sophomore year i played second base and then my junior and senior year I played shortstop so I just kind of grew up playing every type of position whether it was infield uh with high school and infield outfield with some travel ball um I pitched here and there um but most of the schools I had come into contact with uh during the recruiting process was to be mainly an infielder uh because that's really all they saw me do most of the time um so later in my high school career I came in to to close some games uh, just one inning, two innings here and there. Um, but basically, yeah, I just kind of saw myself as an infielder because uh, I could compete. I could uh, give you a good at bat. Uh, but as the pitching got tougher and when I showed up to Oregon State, that uh, same success wasn't showing. 
How did you feel about pitching when you were in high school and even when you got to Oregon State? Because we've had guys on the show who had the opportunity to be two-way guys and even sometimes pro teams telling them, hey, you need to you need to pitch, who are just like, I in my heart am, a, am an everyday player and I, I don't want to just pitch. Yeah, I mean, I was okay with just pitching. I always came in to pitch uh, kind of when the game was on the line in high school. Um, so I, I always loved being in that situation um, to be able to kind of shut the game out. Um, but as I got into college, uh, I had to get used to that even more. So what made Oregon state the pick for you? Because if typically if Oregon state's after you, you'd also have other options. So what, what kind of got you to Corvallis from California? Yeah, I took a, I took a couple of visits, uh, San Diego, Santa Barbara, um, kind of California, West, West, uh, West school, West coast schools. Um, but I always, I wanted to be away, away from home, but also not too far away from home. Um, so Oregon was close enough where it's a, it's a flight away. And um, I mean, the, the recruiting process with Oregon State was um, just unbelievable. The coaches and the, the family aspect they preach um, just kind of hit home for me. So it was a no brainer. As a recruit, do you look at who else is coming coming in with you? Because like every November, whenever it is now, you see like these are all the players who signed in your class is Nick Madrigal and Kane Grenier. Like, do, did you take stock of that? Because not only do you have to compete against those guys for a spot, you've also got three years worth of older guys in front of you. Yeah, we actually uh, I played with uh, Nick Madrigal on one of the travel ball teams for for a couple of years. So I got to know him pretty well before we even showed up to campus together. And uh, we had a group chat going with all the, the incoming freshmen uh, leading up to that summer where we all showed up. So we, we were all familiar with each other. We all knew we were, we were pretty good at the game and uh, we just kind of started out on it on good feet, good terms with everyone. So it was a good transition um, being a loaded class. Um, we all had each other's backs. Walk me through that first fall then, because you know, you, you got to campus, you're facing that elite college pitching that Oregon, you know, there were a couple all America, a big leaguer on the staff, uh, when, when you got there, at least one, what, you know, what was that like both physically just on the field and then mentally dealing with, I can't imagine that you had struggled that much before you got to Oregon state. Yeah. I never, I never really struggled and had a lack of success until that, that freshman fall. Um, I showed up expecting, you know, playing all the, all the scrimmages and, uh, get some at bats, uh, play a couple different positions. And, uh, as the scrimmages went on in the fall, I wasn't seeing, you know, as many innings in the field, um, as many at bats as I thought, you know, I was going to get. Um, but as time went on, I kind I kind of realized, you know, I can't really compete with the bat. Um, went up to coach Bailey and kind of asked if I could try an outfield glove, try and get, find a way on the field any way possible. And um, I think it was around December, winter break time, had a conversation with the coaching staff and uh, there was a couple injuries on the pitching staff. Um, so we just kind of had, had a thrown idea out to me to just focus on pitching and see where I can help the team and uh, kind of worked out that way. Did you start any games in high school on the mound? Maybe one as like a sophomore just to fill a tournament game or something, but I didn't, I didn't start a single game later on in my career in high school now. So as a pitcher, especially as a high schooler, if you're just coming in and closing for high school, you're throwing, you know, you're, you're throwing fairly hard. You don't have to have a lot to put those guys away. Like even now we think of bullpen guys as, you know, a fastball breaking ball kind of guy. You don't, you know, can keep it a little simple as you get into, you decide you're turning into a pitcher at Oregon state where you're going to have to face pac 12 hitters, some of the best hitters in the country were you kind of a blank slate as a pitcher? Like what, you know, what were you bringing to the table at that point? Like what was your, and what was your mentality as a pitcher, the the thinking man's position? Yeah, I think, uh, I think my mindset really just kind of carried me all the way through from, from freshman year, all the way throughout my senior year. I just kind of, I believed in myself and the coaching staff believed on giving me the ball on the mound and uh, the defense believed in me and filling up the strike zone, letting them work. Um, so just having, that strong belief from myself, teammates, coaches, um, really made it a lot easier on me, but showing up to campus, uh, that freshman year, I really only threw a fastball and slider in high school. Cause it's like you said, that's kind of all you really need to come in and close out a game. So 
showing up to campus, I had to figure out a, a third pitch. Um, and changeup was the first option to kind of keep those college and more more fine-tuned hitters off balance uh, longer than I should. And walk me through finding that changeup because it's a field pitch and it is it can come and go, but it's something that you have to have real comfort with and it's something that you mentioned to me the first time we talked is that you you found extreme comfort with it, like any sort of count, any scenario comfort with it, which is pretty unusual for that offering. Yeah, and I think uh, as a guy who doesn't, really blow the radar guns away, maybe sitting 88, 90 on a good day. Um, to be able to have that change up where I was so comfortable throwing it in a 2-0, 3-1 count to, to some power pit, some power hitters that can do some damage, it, it gave me the ability to, you know, mix and match kind of whenever I wanted. And everyone's got a different change of I would like, to, you know, what are, what did you fall into that, that worked for you? Yeah, I think it was Yeski or Heimlich or Rasmussen that kind of showed me their changeup grips. And I feel like I tried out one or two maybe, and it just kind of stuck. Um, the the first changeup I started throwing was a four-seam changeup. Um, just on the four-seam, so you just hold your four-seam like this, um, and then just kind of move it over. Three-finger, circle change, um, nice and simple. I think I was holding it. I mean, if someone was here to grab it out of my hand, pretty take it out pretty easily i was very loose with it um able to take a lot of miles an hour make it a big discrepancy between my fastball to keep the hitters even more off balance and did you shuffle between any other grips or did you just roll with the the four seam circle yeah i had the four seam circle i think just my freshman year and then uh that summer maybe sophomore year fall i started messing around with the two seam change up um this one i guess you throw a two seam in between the seams um same thing, circle change, just down on the horseshoe. Um, it had a little more bite to it, more of a swing and miss pitch. Um, it, it was tough to control, I'd say, that sophomore year. Um, so that two-seam change probably took a little more time than a four-seam change. But as soon as I got them both, they were both kind of my comfort pitches, could throw them in any count, any situation, especially having Adley and Logan Ice behind the dish uh, to keep it in front of them. How did you – how did you decide which one you were going to throw? Like, did you have one you liked more for lefties when you liked more maybe with, with a righty or did you just kind of like, Hey, this is a, this is a four seam day today. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, you can, you can tell in the bullpen warming up before a game, maybe which one is, is feeling better that day. Um, but I love throwing the, the four seam change in, in fastball counts just cause it's got the same spin as the fastball. Um, and I really loved throwing the two seam change when I was up in the count just cause it had some bite and I could throw it to, to right handers and maybe back foot it, just throw it behind the dish and, and left handers, let it run away from them a little bit more than the four seam change. So just kind of depended, uh, upon the hitter and, and the situation. You mentioned Adley, uh, being, being Rutschman catcher for the Orioles. And when you make the switch over to pitcher, it means you're no longer facing future big league big league pitchers in the box. You're now facing future big league hitters in, in inner squads and things like that. And with that lineup, especially those 2017, 2017, 2018 team, which featured a bunch of future big leaguers, uh, golden spikes winner and Adley Rutschman. We're talking Rutschman, Nick Madrigal, Grenier, who we already you know talked about Stephen Kwan, Trevor Larnick, a lot, a lot of guys um, <laughs> who, you know, who, who had your number and, and who's, who's number, you know, who, who didn't like facing you? Um, yeah, I can, I can attest, uh, Trevor Larnick definitely had my number. We got some train tracks, um, behind right field at Goss stadium. And I can remember a couple where he put out there, um, on any type of pitch I threw him and he loved smiling at me around in the bases, but I, I could, I could proudly and wish Nick was here to, to witness this, but say Nick, Nick Magical has never gotten a hit off me. Um, so I'd like to say I own him a little bit, but we can add him if, if possible. Yeah, that's, I, I gladly will. That's, <laughs> that's a good, considering he got hits off everybody else for, for 30 yeah. years. Um, the other aspect of, of heading to a program like Oregon State is the, you know, the Pat Casey of it all. Pat Casey won national titles in different decades, you know, kind of an example of building a culture that lasts. What, you know, what upon you, I mean, there's always, there's always going to be the adjustment going from whatever you were doing in high school to whatever your, your college program was. What about the, 
the the rule under Pat Casey or you know whatever culture he put into place that led to consistent success because talent doesn't always lead to winning teams. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the two things that stick out to me the most with with Case and his coaching staffs over the years are you know just the mindset, um, controlling your mind and your thoughts, and uh, his his main goal was was turning turning boys into men. Uh, on the field, off the field, uh, you know, he's preaching, you're going to be a father. Um, you want to be a good dad to your kids when you do have them. You want to be a good person, no matter who you're talking to. So I think both of those things just uh, came into fruition with with the entire team buying in and wanting to make a difference both on and off the field. One of those things about your, you know, turning boys into men is also physically the difference in what you do, you know, in the weight room with nutrition in college, especially as a college athlete, is a lot is a lot different than what you do in high school. With you, what was the you know what was the transition into college weight training, college nutrition, and like every, you know everyone has some sort of you know goal or kind of thing you know type of physicality they need to hit. What did that look like for you heading in, especially once you transition to pitching, which might be a different body style? Yeah, absolutely. I think I don't think I really picked up a weight until I showed up to campus. I showed up to Oregon state my freshman fall, probably weighing a buck 60. Um, and I think I left around 205, 210 pounds. So over four years, putting on 40, 50 pounds. And probably most of that came in within my first two years, but, um, they definitely take care of you. They show you how to train, what to train, um, position specific. So being able to kind of eat as much food as I wanted, that was taken care of. Um, lift as much as I wanted, um, definitely taken care of. So just getting used to that routine of, of lifting and taking care of your body was was the biggest shock, I think. Those first two weeks, whenever you guys start team weights, was there anyone who you walked in the weight room and saw like a 22 or 23-year-old man who's been doing this for four or five years and be like, "I that that looks freakish to me? Who's who's the freak? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, Drew Rasmussen is, is definitely a freak in the weight room. That guy can can lift the house. Um, another freak was John Pomeroy. Um, he was a, a big right-hander we had out of the pen. He could lift the house, jump out of the gym, and throw a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. So just kind of seeing some of those guys get in there, get under the bar, and, and push some weight was, was motivating for me since I never really lifted weights like that. Um, but being able to work with them on a daily basis uh, – motivated the hell out of me and nutritionally you know putting on 40 to 50 pounds that's 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 a lot of weight that's a lot of muscle what is you know what goes what goes into that like what is the daily off-season diet how much are you having to put into your body to make that happen yeah i, I mean if all of that was muscle that would have been awesome <laughs> i wouldn't say it was all muscle um well i'm giving you some credit we, it's we, probably let's just say mostly <laughs> mostly muscle <laughs> I only say that just because if any any uh, former teammates listen to this, uh, I put on a lot a lot of chubby weight. So we got tested for for fat percentage, and I was I was a big boy. Um, but some of the ways we we ate, we had uh, meals taken care of. Um, and one thing I did to put on extra weight was wake up at like two three in the morning, eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich. So there, there's a lot of different ways you could you could put on weight, just as long as you're taking care of your body and making sure you're you're lifting the way you should, if you're going to have that much food go into your body. So there's a lot of different ways to go about it. And some people did it differently than others, but, uh, if you find a way that works for you, got to go with it. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's dedication to, to change your body <laughs> in, in that much. And we hear, we hear a lot about it with mostly with football players, but it's, it's every sport in some way or another. So you changed to, you convert to pitching over the weekend. You were a guy who threw one to two innings in high school what did what did you think your freshman year was going to be like? Did you have any sort of spot or any you know I might be this guy out of the bullpen? Like, did you have any expectation for yourself? Um, I I thought I was going to get a couple opportunities to pitch. I wasn't quite sure the situation it would it would come to be. Um, we we used to go to Arizona for for two weeks to play eight to ten games every year, and I can't remember which game I got in. Um but I, I originally thought my role was going to be games. We were, we were up by a lot or, or down by a lot. And I could go out there and eat some innings, kind of put up some zeros when needed. Um, 
my first outing, I think it was runners on second and third in a close game and I was able to get out of it. So I think once I was able to show that I could, I could keep my calm in those situations and get the job done, I got another opportunity in, in a similar situation. It just kind of kept happening um, to be put in those situations with the, the game on the line and, and to give us a chance to win. Being so fresh to pitching and like, especially pitching at this high level, how long did it take you to have legitimate comfort and confidence in what you were doing? Um, I think for me, I was just such a, a competitor and I, I loved being out there. I loved competing and, and beating the other team essentially. Um, and to have that amount of confidence in, in myself, it, it it came from up top with Case and Yeski and my teammates believing in me as well. Um, so it, it my comfort level was was fine right out of the jump. Um, yeah, I had I had some nerves that first couple outings, um, just because I didn't want to disappoint anyone. But once I got out there, all the all the thoughts, emotions, and nerves went away. I just go out there and compete and and do your job. And how did you go from guy who converted to pitching over the winter to guy who started getting some starts? Like when did that first start come to fruition? How was that news broken to you? Um, I wish I could remember the conversation um, before finding out I was going to get that first start at USC. I have a bunch of family and friends in town. Um, but I, I think it was probably a couple days before um, just giving me the opportunity to start. My hometown was, was an awesome opportunity and uh, to to have some success with that and let it roll into the next weekend was was unbelievable. Yeah, and you you bookend that. You end your freshman year. You guys are a little bit against the ropes. You're at UCLA. You're pitching at UCLA again, fairly close to your hometown. And I I need you to walk me through this game because the box score is is kind of it's it's kind of anti what is baseball now. We think of like, like how high strikeouts, three true outcomes, whatever you throw against nationally ranked UCLA nine innings, nine, you know, complete game shutout, two strikeouts, just cruising. And it <laughs> um, seemed yeah, and it's I've... just five hits. So it's not like they were hitting the ball around and getting double plays. Like it seemed like you, it seemed like you cruised. Yeah. Um, I think the game was actually in Corvallis, but, Oh, was it? Okay. That's my, I, again, yeah, I I'm just trying to make you, I'm trying to make you look good <laughs> at UCLA, 10,000 people there. Regardless. Uh, I could probably, ex- <laughs> I could probably explain the two strikeouts. Um, my arm was probably hanging end of the year. I think my freshman year at around 70, 80 innings. So hanging, just trying to, just trying to get out there and fill up the strike zone. I could probably tell you I was sitting around 85, maybe, 83 in that ninth inning. So um, I, I couldn't tell you who the two strikeouts were against, but they were probably looking. Um, I don't know how much swing and miss stuff I had uh, back in my freshman year, but just letting that defense work. We had all Americans all over the field. Um, so just being able to fill up the strike zone and, and trust they're going to make the play was, was my main idea. Well, it clearly worked out, but that season <laughs> – for Oregon State it was kind of an atypical Oregon State season. No postseason. You're part of this loaded freshman class that, you know, a- after a season like that ends, and now that is all you guys know in college baseball. Like some of the older guys have been to the postseason, things like that. What was the what was the mentality from from those returners and that loaded freshman moving forward? Yeah, I think there, there's a couple names that stick out that kind of wanted to flip the page and focus on the next year right away. I think uh, Madrigal had a big say in what was going on the next year. Drew Rasmussen, uh, Michael Gretler, KJ Harrison, um, you know, guys that have been around, um, been with the program a couple of years aside from Nick, uh, just really wanted to make a change and, and make a run at it because uh, we knew we had the pieces to the puzzle. Just a matter of putting it together and believing in ourselves. What are those changes like? putting that into practice because it's easy to say, you know, this year's our year. We're going to take it to them. You know, we're going to do this thing. What are the, like, what is the effort that gets put into a team making a decision that we are going to be a championship team? Yeah. I, I think it started um, with the pitching staff. I think the entire pitching staff minus, minus a few who didn't, who didn't pitch that much, um, just stayed in Corvallis that summer to to lift and train and throw and and get better as a staff. Um, there were some position players that stayed back in Corvallis as well. Um, so being able to spend the entire summer with most of the team 
um, at the field in the locker room, you know, just, just messing around being kids when, when all of our work was done, I uh, was able to create a bond, an unbreakable bond um, for that year and the following year, the, the many times we got to play together. In fall of your sophomore year, that uh, in fall of 2016, you again you turn in this this freshman year where you're a second team All American, you're a freshman All American. Um, you've ended the year in the in the starting rotation, so kind of the exact opposite of how you you came into your your freshman year fall. As far as the, did you have a comfort level of a of a spot on the team, or did you still feel like you needed to grind something out, or um, still have that like carving a spot mentality? Yeah, I, I definitely felt a little more comfort in, in thinking I had a spot on the team, but that's, that's not something, uh, me personally, where I'm going to, I'm going to be satisfied and, you know, stop working. I knew there was a lot more things I could get better at recovery routine, um, you know, definitely getting bigger, stronger to throw harder. Um, and I knew, or I was hoping that that following year, I'd even, I would even get even more innings, um, hundred, 120 innings that following year. So being able to sustain that um, for another 50 innings. Cause at the end of my freshman year, I, I was done. So, so um, there was a lot of work that went into, to sustain that and compete for a job. Cause we still had guys returning from the staff, um, new guys coming in that wanted a starting spot too. So there, there's nothing given to you at Oregon state. You got, you got to work for, for the innings you pitch, the at-bats you get. Um, so the coaches are going to put out who they think deserves it the best. And if you can go out there and compete and show that you deserve it, it's going to be your spot. So how do you sustain that for an entire year? What what's, I mean, you, you win a, you win a spot in that rotation as a sophomore. What is the week to week that helps you not be dragging that last week of the season? Yeah, I think, I think it's, it starts with recovery um, and maintenance. We had uh, coach Anderson was our, our strength and conditioning coach and uh, Jeremy was our, uh, you know, PT guy, trainer who who took care of us um, off the field once our work was done, um, taking us in the weight room, going through different movements to get full range of motion. And then Jeremy, to, you know, massages, ice, whatever you kind of need just to make sure your body is in, in top shape for, for your next outing. With, you know, you, you went through your freshman year, just a, a season that ended in the postseason. Your next two years, 17 and 18, they end pretty much like a month and a half after the, the normal regular season. That's a, that's an extra stretch. What's like, what are the dog days of college? Like, when are you, you know, does postseason give you enough, uh, you know, give you enough juice that you're not really feeling how your body's feeling? Or is it like each week is a little tougher than the next week physically? Um, it probably, it probably depends on, on the guy, um, you know, what, what position they're playing, um, who's putting their body on the line. So, so it kind of depends on the situation. I think my sophomore year, I, I lucked out a little bit. I think I had something going on with my arm. So I had a month off in the middle of the year. Um, didn't get any outings, but, uh, to build back up for the postseason was, was almost perfect timing. So, uh, but that junior year, I took no time off. I probably threw around 120, 130 innings. And that's, probably why my, my time in Omaha as a junior wasn't as strong as, as my outings as a sophomore. Cause that the sophomore year you were nails and we'll, you know, so <laughs> 2017, you guys, you, you take that first of back to back trips to Omaha, but I want to, right before that, if I, if I have the timing, right, that was still when the draft happened in, during supers. Yeah. And curious, what is draft day? Like when you're on a powerhouse, when a lot of the team is, is getting drafted, like how does that, because again, sometimes, you know, there's the, the classic Dansby Swanson got drafted first overall, like right after his game ended. So there's, there's stuff like that, but <laughs> yeah. what, is, what, is, what is, what is draft day? Like when, you know, Hey, half the guys on this team are, are getting picked. What, what's that celebration? Like what's so special about hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Yeah, I think in, in 2018 we had uh, Madrigal, Grenier, and Larnick uh, three first rounders. So we had, uh, some, some camera crew set up. The entire team was in, in our team room. Um, just, 
just behind them as his as their names were called. Um, so it was just awesome to kind of be there for them and experience that with them. And then I think after that we had practice. And, you know, Stephen Kwan gets called, Michael Gretler gets called, um, KJ Harrison gets called. So it was almost like a, a full day celebration to to see these dreams come true for for our brothers and our teammates. It was awesome. With that, uh, the the other thing that they're always camera crews for, and the, and the team being all together is select the selection day for the NCAA tournament. And you're, you know, 17 and 18, you guys aren't there like sweating out as a bubble team. You're almost, you're guaranteed to be a national seed or whatever. What is that day like when you're, you've got the guarantee to be a national seed and you're seeing who's coming to Corvallis? Do you, as a team, like you, you don't have to say anybody, but are you hoping like, oh, I hope these guys come to a regional or, or whatever? Like, do you have any, any preferences when that happens? Um, not really. I think it's just the the anticipation building up of of who's going to come into into Goss Stadium. Um, we didn't really have any preferences on who was going to be there. Um, but I remember, I think it was eighteen. Uh, we lost to LSU in seventeen to to knock us off, and in eighteen we got LSU coming to our regional. So that was I remember that being very exciting for for the boys. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So twenty seventeen. That that College World Series, you you guys make it to Omaha. You throw against LSU back to back. Your your first start is nails. Your second start is tough. And you guys go from kind of this dream run through the postseason. You kind of buzz thaw through everybody, and it's you know kind of boom boom done done pretty quickly. And in, in Omaha, it all finishes out fast. What did what did you guys take from the 2017 experience? to make the 2018 experience what it was like, are there, you know, there's like, Oh, lessons learned and things like that. Like, are there specific lessons that made you guys better as a team? Yeah, definitely. I think in, in 17, I think we had an unreal record of 56 and in, in six or something absurd like that. Um, we thought we could just maybe coast through the world series through Omaha and, and walk away on, on top of the mountain. And, uh, you know, baseball is a crazy game. It's not it's not the best team that wins every day. It's the best team that day that wins. And uh, we played a couple a couple games where we weren't we weren't great. You know, we didn't compete all the way through. Um, we maybe took some pitches off. So um, I think that fueled us for 18, uh, kind of knowing what to expect when we walked into Omaha and and making a difference. And as a pitcher, the thing about Omaha is it's so atypical from what the season is like where the season is you know you're going to have the same amount of rest every week you're just playing for that one start with Omaha you know you 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 might get you might get your first start you don't really know when the second's going to come you might have to pitch on short rest how do you how do you keep up some semblance of routine while also keeping yourself ready knowing that you might have to go on five days rest or three days rest or whatever it might be yeah I think um after throwing uh, a game maybe dependent on your pitch count you'll you'll know if if you'll have a chance to throw in the next game or not um because our coaches weren't gonna put us in a position to get hurt so probably dependent on pitch count and if you were under a certain pitch count you you got to get yourself ready to throw in the next game um whether that's recovery ice tub extra massages you know kind of do whatever it takes to to get yourself ready to pitch in that next game I remember in in 18 I didn't I didn't have a single good outing I don't think but I found a way to get myself ready and had my cleats on every game just in case you know my name was called. Well with 18 like you mentioned LSU comes to the regional. They had knocked you out in back-to-back games the year before and you guys beat the brakes off them in, in the regional. You <laughs> you won you won both games by over over 10 runs. Was there any was there any like talk in the locker room of like we don't just need to win, we need to murder these guys because it, it it looks on paper it looks like murder. <laughs> no, there there was no extra talk or motivation on you know winning that game. It was just kind of our mindset was win in advance. Uh, we played every game one inning at a time, you know, one pitch at a time, and then on to the next one. Um, but there, there was no extra motivation from from the year prior. It was just we had our eyes set on one goal and one goal only. And following regionals and supers again, another another draft day, and the one like you were describing with three first rounders, you you go unselected, or you you know you 
turn down some offers. You, you cho- choose to come back for your senior year. Choose to not, you know, take a lower bonus, whatever. What what went into that decision? Like, how did you prioritize that decision? Yeah, I think it was a it was a tough decision. Um, I loved being in Oregon State, um, and to to leave with some of the guys I came in with would have would have been a great opportunity. Um, but education and getting that degree was important to uh, you know my family and I, and to have the opportunity to go back and and compete for another championship with the team we had uh, was also another opportunity, a great opportunity. So it it made my decision a lot easier knowing I could go back get my degree have another chance to compete with the, with the team we had and um, have a chance at, you know, breaking some records. So it, it was an easy decision um, after the fact, but throughout the process, it, it didn't seem so easy. Following that super where you guys have a bunch of top 10 round picks, which, you know, 95% of the time those guys sign. So you know that half this team is leaving, if not more in the, in the core, really like, you know, Adley Rutschman's coming back just because of age, but everything, every, you know, magic, all all those guys, Quan, they're all gone. When you get to Omaha, did that, did it create a sense of urgency or was there more pressure around if we don't do it now, this group is not, is not going to do it. We don't have another chance. No, not at all. I think um, coaching staff, our, our team captains did a great job of, you know, blocking out the noise, the outside noise and and just worrying about the, the present moment, you know, controlling what we can control and taking it one step at a time. I know uh, those guys that did get drafted high were probably pretty excited, um, you know, to start their professional career. But w- we've had our eyes set on, on this one goal for a couple of years now. So they wanted to finish out what we had started and then and then move on from it. Um, they, they weren't distracted or, or anything like that. That's for sure. And what about after you lost game one, which is the typical, anyone who loses the first game in the college world series, enjoy your time in Omaha. You're, you're likely not going to win the, the championship. Yeah. After, after game one, we're, we're lucky we had coach case. I mean, he, I think he's the only coach to have come out of the losers bracket prior to that year. Um, so we had him, um, other coaches, that had played for him that same year who had been through it and uh, have experienced what, what we were about to experience. So being able to listen in on them and lean on them for, for comfort stories um, you, you know, kind of what, what they went through uh, put us at ease for sure. Um, They let us know that it's possible, um, you know, just play one pitch at a time, one inning at a time and keep doing what we've been doing all year. What is the atmosphere like in an elimination game compared to, compared to a non-elimination game like do you as a player once you're in the moment do you notice the difference does it hover around you at all when this is the winner go home game um not i would say not when the game starts but you know definitely as the game goes on uh maybe there might be a sense of this could be it um but i think our group was so was so strong and and tight-knitted that we really believed in in winning every single game we we thought we had a chance every single game, no matter what the score, what the score was until, uh, you know, that last hour was recorded. So we just believed all the way through. And I think that was the biggest thing for us. Does it ever matter who the opponent is? Like in the college world series, you got a limited amount, but are you ever watching one of the two games and you're thinking, I would rather that team get to us. Or once you knock out Mississippi state, I would rather, you know, Florida, not Arkansas or Arkansas, not Florida get to the finals. Like, does it, you can say it now it's over. You already got the ring. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I'm going to be, I'm being honest. I, we didn't really the entire year, the entire two years that that core group was together. We stayed away from, from things we couldn't control, you know, just show up to the field, do your job and, and take control of what you can control. So we, we couldn't control who we were playing, who'd win the other games, who, who would, who we would uh, meet the next game. So just kind of staying in the moment and then going from there. What is what does downtime in Omaha look like? Uh, downtime. I remember in in eighteen against Washington, there was a there was a delay, third or fourth inning maybe. And I think we were losing at the time, but we had about two hours maybe just to kill time. Um, same old, same old. Just in the locker room, hanging out, playing games, uh, playing mafia, uh, staying loose any way we could. Um, we weren't worried about the game at all. We were just having fun, uh, doing what we always did. Um, so we had fun with it and there was no real pressure, um, during those off times. 
so it seems like the team had a lot of confidence, had a lot of, um, you know, assurance and like keeping things not very worried. The, the final game against Arkansas is five to nothing. At what point did you know we're going to win? I didn't even know it was five nothing at one point. No, it's. I mean, you ended it at five nothing, but like at what, oh oh the final the game. final yeah oh. the final game the final um, game. At what point did you know that like we're gonna win this? Correct me if I'm wrong, but did we score in that first inning? Uh, I don't have the box. I just have I, the final. I I can check it. I <laughs> no, I think you're. Right. I think we did score in that first inning. Um, Kevin Abel, I think closed out an inning or two in game two. Yeah. That was the, uh, the Kevin Abel college world series. Yeah. And then he, he got the start in game three and you know, he was locked in the entire day. I remember nobody really saying much to him. Um, he'd come out after, after each inning and, you know, I just had this look in his eyes, like I'm taking us home boys. So it was once we, once we put a couple runs on the board and, and seeing the way Kevin was, was throwing the ball, um, it was, it was pretty comforting to, you know, think we could do this. Uh, we got this, but baseball is a crazy game. You got to get that last out to just to be sure. So we didn't really celebrate or get excited until, you know, we were, we were dogpiling on the field. Yeah. In the, uh, the first inning, you guys put up two runs, uh, Adley Rutschman, RBI single, and then a throwing error by, I believe that was Casey Martin. Uh, to, yeah. to put, to put you guys up, up two, tacked on another in the third, another in the fifth. So in the fifth, it's four to nothing. And that's like, that's like, this is, this is, it's, it's getting dark. It's getting dark early for, it's getting late early for Arkansas. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think that Arkansas team hit a lot of, a lot of home runs and scored a lot of runs throughout the year. So, you know, with a team like that, you can't really, you can't really put them out um, too soon or too early because they were there for a reason as well. That's the one thing I talked about this with uh, Colby Halter who was on Florida's team this past year, uh, a couple weeks ago on the pod, but you know, he, he's a hitter. You're a pitcher. So you might have a different perspective, but the thing about, you know, TD Ameritrade or whatever, Charles Schwab, whatever it is now, it, it seems beautiful and stuff like that, but it plays very differently than most college baseball ballparks. Most college baseball ballparks allow for the, the long ball. Uh, TD plays really yeah. big. Did that change how you guys went about and like on the mound? Did that change how you? It seemed like you're uh, you're pitching to contact anyway, but did did it change how you guys went about your business at all? Um, it might it might have changed the the defensive alignment we had set up for for certain guys. Um, you could definitely take away a lot of extra base hits by playing deeper. Um, but as a pitcher, I always threw to contact, and I was known for giving up a couple of home runs, uh, every now and again. And I definitely give up, gave up a couple at TD. So I like pitching at TD just because, you know, it is a, a pitcher friendly park. Um, but as long as you got your defense in the right spot, you got a good scouting report, you, you can make it happen. How long does the, like the buzz after winning a, a college world series last? Like how many, how many weeks are you, are you taking that high? Um, I feel like we, we, we're still riding that high. I mean, it was so much fun, probably the best time I'll ever have on a baseball field. Um, that, that night we won, it was a long night and an early flight out the next morning. Um, but taking a limo from the airport, um, to Goss stadium, Corvallis and seeing that stadium packed, um, just, just kept the party going. I can't tell you how many days straight we partied and had fun with each other. Um, you know, until those draft guys had to go, but we definitely made it worthwhile and, and some we'll never forget together. How many times have you worn the ring since? I think, uh, I think I've just worn it once. Um, I think I wore it to a wedding one time just for fun. Flex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but other than that, I actually don't even know where it is. You're probably somewhere in this house. I was going to say, you're probably going to want to, you're probably just going to yeah. want to know where it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, me, my wife, uh, coaches or works for the Rams. So she got a, a nice big Super Bowl ring when they won it. And we took some wedding picture, some wedding pictures with our ring. So it was, it was a cool picture. That's got to dwarf the, uh, the college world series ring. The Super Bowl. Yeah. Rings are yeah. It tops it unreal, just a little bit. Unreal. <laughs> um, so you, yeah. you wrapped 2018, you did 
at this, this point, you've done kind of everything you could hope out of a college career. You've been named an All-American. You're a starter. You won a College World Series, all this stuff. You're coming back on 2019 with the team that it brings back Adley Rutschman, but like we said, had a mass exodus of talent on paper, just not as talented as the 2018 team, which is perfectly fair to say because majority of college teams in college baseball history were not as talented as that 2018 team. What were you hoping to accomplish in that last year? Like, cause you, you know, the reality you have now seen how hard it is to get to Omaha, how hard it is to win in Omaha. You know that this team has a tall task and you've got, you know, you've got one more year. What were kind of your goals for that senior year? Um, I, I think the main goal was, you know, just trying to, to keep the culture that we had created, you know, some of those Juco guys that we brought in and the incoming freshmen we, we had, uh, brought in we just wanted to to show them the way and and show them the culture that was that was started um and to be able to carry on that tradition and and uh treat people the right way playing playing the game the right way on the field um was something i really i really took to heart does the does the draft or pro ball or whatever you're doing after college does it does it come to mind at all during that season is it something is it something you thought about like how did how did you because after that, whenever that last pitch is, that's, that's it. You got to, you got to figure out something else. So how much did you think about that? Or did that factor into your, you know, do your game? Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really think about the draft too much. It, yeah. It was always something I dreamed of doing and dreamed of dreamed of happening. Um, but then again, it was, it was out of my control. Um, I believed I deserved a chance. I thought I had a pretty good resume to deserve that chance, but yeah, once that last pitch was thrown, I think it was actually a home run. Um, and then, you know, that last hour was courted to to knock us out of that regional my senior year. It was it was tears galore, but uh having having some good teammates and coaches in my corner was was awesome. And what was what was draft day like when it was finally your time to to be the one who gets the call? Yeah, draft day, my my agent at the time said there there was a chance maybe rounds five through ten, you know sign as a senior, um, get in and get out, but, uh, rounds five through 10 passed. Um, so I, I went back to school my senior year, you know, to get my degree. So I went, I went to finish my homework, you know, study up on a test. I, I might've had one test left and, uh, I got a text message in the middle of my homework saying just got drafted. Um, the giants hadn't called me yet. Um, so I was surprised to get a text message first, but once I got that call, I, I was stoked and, uh, you know, ready to get started with them. Not to spoil what we're going to talk about for the next 10 minutes about kind of how your pro career shook out, but choosing to come back to Oregon State for your senior year and getting the degree while you, you know, while you were there and, and all that stuff, or at least like, you know, finishing up how, you know, could you put a price on that senior year of getting to play another year in, in Corvallis? That, absolutely not. I mean, that was to be able to, to finish out, um, four straight years of making a difference on and off the field, um, in that community, creating lifelong friends, um, with coaches, the fans, my teammates, um, that I wouldn't trade it for the world. When you got on the pro mound, did you, did you change anything about how you want to, you know, went about attacking guys? It's a little, as a professional, it's a little more in your hands, uh, you know, completely as to, as to what you're going to do. Was there any, I need to, I need to do this different. I need to do that different. Or did you just try to, I'm going to be the same old, I'm going to do it the same way I got, got out at Oregon state and see what happens. Yeah. That, that first year definitely just kind of wanted to finish out the year, um, with what I was used to doing, um, just kind of filling up the strike zone, mix and match. Um, and, and I did that. The, the giants put a, put us on like a four week kind of throwing program to, to build us up before we got into games. Um, but, once we were in games, it was kind of back to normal. Um, I liked calling my own game a little bit more. Um, but even then, it's it's still communicating with the catcher about what's next and uh, what to expect with the hitter. So just kind of doing the same old. And then the, that second year, I kind of wanted to develop a, a cutter, uh, which didn't ever turn out to be any good. So just that second year, trying to do the same thing as well. Well, you got, you got blessed with the instant feel for changeup. So we, we can't, <laughs> you can't have it all apparently, but, um, when did your, when did your elbow start barking? Uh, yeah, I think it was, uh, off season going into my, my, I guess, first full year, uh, started barking. I think I went out to spring training a little early to get it checked out. Um, 
got an MRI and, and shown that it, it was torn. So um, I actually think that was beginning of COVID and all the, all the surgeons had shut down. So I actually had to push it off another four or five months before I can actually go under the knife. Oh, wow. So you were just sitting at home like the rest of us kind of wondering what's going to happen, but also you've got this injury that is going to prevent you from playing that you can't even get worked on. Exactly. Yeah. So there, there was kind of a, a stale period where I, I really, yeah, I could train my lower half and, and run a little bit, but just to stay in shape, but I really couldn't do anything to, to get ready or get healthier. Um, you know, I knew I had to get surgery, so I was just waiting it out at that, at that time. And how long did you spend over, you know, over the course of your pro career injured or rehabbing? Aside from finishing out that first year, I got drafted. Um, the, the rest of my pro career was in rehab. Um, part of rehab was, was getting back to throwing. So it was probably about two and a half, three years of, of straight rehab, which was not something I wish upon anybody. Yeah. And with that, you, you have your first TJ, the procedure just doesn't take, and you have to have another who, how do you, how do you mentally recover from that? Cause like physically the, the path forward is, you know, you just got to get the surgery, you got to rehab, you got to whatever, you got to hope everything works. But how do you not only the five, five month setback of can't even get it worked on then, Hey, once you have your first TJ, you're probably out for a year to 14 months. Oh wait, now it's second TJ. How do you like, how do you get your bearings of, okay, this is, I do have a path forward. I can still possibly do this. Yeah. I think, uh, I was after finding out I needed a second one, I, I took it upon myself to, you know, kind of reach out to some people I trusted and had good relationships with and, and Yeski and, Drew Rasmussen, who who had been there before, and Yeski, who had been in the game for for so long, um, just kind of picking their brain and and wondering if it was worth it. You know, do I do I keep playing? Is this something I got a chance at doing? And uh, bottom line was like, you really only get one chance to to play professionally and, and make a run at it. So why not give it your all? Um, and once I heard that, it was more of a mental battle than anything because I knew the physical aspect. Um, with the plan set in place by the giants and the, the rehab team, the strength and, con and conditioning team was top notch. So believing in them was no problem. It was just more controlling my mind and, and my thoughts that were potentially going to take over and, and allow me to, to proceed and, and get to where I needed to be. What was the closest you got to being a hundred percent? Like, did you ever throw another pitch where you were like, that's how it felt when I was in Corvallis? Yeah, I, I, de I definitely got my velo up after that second um, Tommy John. I think 93 was, was my top, which was two or three more than what I had thrown previously. Um, so the arm felt good. Uh, the body felt good. Uh, but as soon as the elbow felt good, it was it was the shoulder that went next. So getting getting healthy to the point where I felt good and confident again, and then for, for something new to happen was was a complete shutdown. So... It, it was tough to come back from the shoulder and walk me through your last outing we wearing a baseball uniform. <laughs> yeah, I, I could do that. This, this last outing was special. Um, I got a call from someone in the giants organization, um, pretty much asking if I wanted to fly out to San Francisco to, to fly to Evan Longoria. Uh, and they said, I said, absolutely. Why would I not do that? Um, they had a flight ready for me five or six in the morning the next day. Uh, so I flew out to San Francisco and got to throw a sim game to Longoria for six to eight at bats in the stadium. Nobody in the stadium, just a couple coaches, Evan Longoria and, uh, and myself. So that was a pretty cool way to, to go out and throw my last couple pitches on a mound. What was the setup? Did they have like, did they have a uniform for you or it was like, you can just wear shorts. What, what was, what was the feel there? Uh, I brought a, I brought all, my own gear, uh, some, some baggy ass pants, um, some holes in it, uh, just a practice t-shirt and a hat. Um, same old, got to warm up in the bullpen and then walked out to the mound. Evan Longoria standing there waiting to, waiting to take some swings off me. It's pretty cool. I did get a nice little mustache May shirt from the clubby though. Still got it. 
that's huge. That's huge. Is is Longoria's swing is pretty in person when it's when it's swinging against what you're throwing? Uh, yeah, especially the first swing he takes is a is a bullet into the left field wall. It's it's a little intimidating, but you know, just get those nerves out of there and just same thing as everything else. Just compete. You know, I was trying to get him out just because he'd appreciate that. He doesn't want meatballs. Um, nobody's going to pitch him like that in the big league. So just try my best to get him out. And what made that your last outing in baseball? Um, yeah, just after throwing, uh, my shoulder was hanging, even like showing up to the stadium. Um, but a couple Advil, little massage, and, and we could get through the outing. Um, thought I was going to heal fine. I didn't really think much of it. Um, and the next morning, just brutal pain. Could could hardly lift up my arm and kind of knew something was going on um, and, and got a couple injections to, to see if it would make a difference. And uh, just just nothing nothing came to fruition with it. So I uh, decided enough's enough. I, I don't really want to be in rehab for, for a third or fourth year and decided to hang them up. There are, there are worse ways to go out because that is about <laughs> the, the coolest, as cool a last outing as you could imagine that's not an actual real game. But. Yeah. Um, I mean, with that, you're, you know, at that point you're in, you're still in your early twenties. It's almost like you're fresh out of college. Had you started looking at life after baseball? Cause that is the scariest thing for anyone who plays professional baseball. Anyone who plays baseball in general is like, what am I going to do when I'm not this guy? Yeah, absolutely. I think even after that, that, uh, first Tommy John and finding out I needed a second one, that's kind of during that second rehab process, I started making connections and networking a little bit to, to see what I could do, whether it be in baseball, out of baseball. Um, I definitely wanted to stay in baseball one way or another. Um, and once I decided to hang them up, I was able to coach at, at the high school I played at and, and be able to do that on the side while, while starting a, a sales job. That was very tough, but a, a good learning experience as well. Yeah. I, Everyone should have to work food service and everyone should have to work sales at least once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it builds character. Yeah. Um, so going back, if you could give yourself a pep talk at age 18 when you stepped onto Oregon State's campus, what would that pep talk look like? Um, just, you know, be- you just got to believe in yourself. I mean, college baseball is is a big step from from high school baseball, that's for sure. Um, but once once you believe in yourself and and the people around you believe in you, it makes it a whole lot more fun, um, a whole lot easier, and just an opportunity to compete at a high level is is a great experience. Got a little rapid fire for you, and then I'll let you get out of here. All right. Favorite Pac-12 ballpark? Goss Stadium, baby. If you had to pick a visiting Pac-12 ballpark? Uh, maybe Utah, because it's in that minor league stadium. Oh, yeah, in the, in the Salt Lake B Stadium. Yeah, yeah good, I wish they could fill it up, view. though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, best, best Corvallis food spot. Local boys, um, Hawaiian, Hawaiian restaurant, uh, owned by a local big baseball fan, uh, gives you big portions for, for the baseball guys that need it. Um, definitely a spot you got to check out if you're in Corvallis. Sounds delicious. Uh, best hitter you ever faced in a, in a live game. No Longoria, no Oregon standard squads. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with Andrew Vaughn here. Um, I was on time for everything, every pitch I threw him, no matter the pitch, no matter the count. Um, I, I told you this yesterday, but I could, I could say it again, I guess. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at Cal, uh, there's this big cement wall in left field. I think it was a three Oh or three one changeup. I threw him. It's almost like he knew it was coming and he, he put a, put a damn hole in that wall and the ball bounced all the way back to shortstop. So that's just a small example of, of how good he is and how good he was in college. Yeah, and that's why he's doing it in the big leagues. Uh, I didn't ask you this yesterday. What is the secret to maintaining long hair? A lot um, of ma- what, what's the maintenance secret there? Yeah, uh, well, when I did have it, um, I was getting a lot of shit for for receding hairline at the time, and and still do. But I had the hair, and I had to run with it. Um, but it was a lot of leave-in conditioner, you know, some some dry shampoo here and there. Um, but other than that, just kind of let it be, throw it up in a bun when you need to. Um, that's about it though. Nothing yeah, crazy. Your Oregon state, uh, the, the action picture that goes behind your, like your little profile picture, or whatever still has, still has the flow. So that will, <laughs> that will exist forever. As long as Oregon state wants to pay to keep that, that profile up. Uh, I'm glad, I'm glad case. Let me keep it. Cause he was, he was not a fan of it early on. 
Well, I mean, after you throw uh, shut out complete games, I think it's kind of like, hey, man, whatever, whatever works. <laughs> um, last one I've got for you. In your time in the minor leagues, did you have any sort of nightmare travel issue? Nightmare, I, nightmare I, bus story. I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm one of the lucky ones. Um, I think the longest bus ride I was on was about an hour and a half to to Hillsboro from Salem, Oregon. So, no crazy travel stories. Um, but I guess I'm glad I didn't get to experience those, even though I wish I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think while while I'm sure you wish you did in the moment in a 10 hour bus ride with no AC or pulled over on the side of the road, I think you might've been feeling differently. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, Bryce cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much for joining from feeding to the farm. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. And that's it for my time with Bryce Femmel. Big thanks to Bryce stopping by the show, walking us through his career at Oregon State, one of my favorite episodes. If you enjoyed this one, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and make sure to subscribe to BaseballAmerica.com and the BA Podcast feed for all amateur baseball and prospect news. And we'll catch you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.